Hello and welcome to the Pandemic Podcast, a Deccan Herald podcast focusing on COVID-19. I am Ahmed Sharif with some chosen bits of information on the coronavirus situation that matter to you. It's day 17 of the 21-day lockdown in India imposed to stop the spread of the novel coronavirus. In this episode, let's check on what's happening in Karnataka as far as COVID-19 is concerned. Stay tuned as we talk to someone who should be celebrating Easter but cannot due to the lockdown and look at our regular DH fact check. At the time of this recording on April 10, Friday 6 a.m., the total number of cases in the country has crossed 6,600. As many as 760 new cases were recorded on April 9, a significant rise from the previous day's tally of 615. The corona map compiled by John Hopkins Corona Research Center shows that India is now in the 21st position globally. Almost 594 people have recovered in India while 46 people have died on April 9th alone. The website of the Union Ministry of Health and Family Welfare shows that the death toll has reached 169 in the country. Now let's move on to the most infected states. Yesterday the state of Maharashtra saw its total reaching 1364. Mumbai continues to explode with new cases and deaths. The largest slum in Asia, Dharavi area, saw 3 deaths and a dozen cases, emerging as a COVID-19 hotspot in Mumbai. Tamil Nadu stands second in the list of most affected states with 834 cases. Chief Minister Edappadi K. Palaniswamy expressed the fear of the state entering the community transmission phase in which the disease becomes so omnipresent that the source of infection cannot be traced at all. Delhi is the third in the list with 720 cases followed by Telangana with 471 and Rajasthan with 430 cases. In the news related to Karnataka, the state has only 197 cases of infection right now and 6 deaths in 30 recoveries, which looks better than all the neighboring states. The print edition of Deccan Herald today carried a news story on the mystery of COVID-19 cases, leaving the government worried. There are now at least 10 cases of COVID-19 for which the sources of infection remains unknown, leading to the fear of community transmission. To read the full story, log on to www.deccanherald.com or check out our e-paper www.deccanheraldepaper.com. My colleague Varsha Gowda talks to Suraksha P, the Deccan Herald correspondent who wrote the story to understand the implications of this. Hello, I'm Varsha and with me today is Suraksha P, the DH health correspondent for Bengaluru. Suraksha, for the benefit of our listeners, what are these mystery cases that you mentioned in your report and how have they become a cause for concern for health department officials? Hi Varsha. So, uh, as you know, currently the Karnataka tally stands at 197 and we are just three cases short of uh, reaching 200 positive COVID-19 patients in the state. Uh, mm-hmm. So, out of these 200 uh, odd uh, cases, I mean 197 cases, uh, there are cases where the department has not been able to zero in on the source of infection. 
So what happens in every case is the department has a concrete travel history or a contact history. Travel history can include international or domestic history or contact with a confirmed uh, case. Uh, it can be the primary contact or the secondary contact. But in various districts of Karnataka, there are cases where the department does not know the source. Uh, some cases are just mentioned as a severe acute respiratory infection, but the source has not been zeroed in on. And uh, some of these cases, uh, in some of these cases, uh, patients have actually died. Uh, and uh, days after their, uh, and, and some cases days after their hospitalization, uh, the department has not been able to trace how exactly this patient contracted the infection. Okay, so what does the presence of patients with no known source of infection mean for the overall COVID scene in Karnataka? So, uh, this is a classic example of community transmission. However, the state health department has repeatedly and strongly denied uh, this to be a case of community transmission. Uh, they keep uh, uh, asserting that investigation is uh, on way and uh, that they have clues and they're very close to uh, understanding uh, where the source of infection uh, came from. Uh, so uh, a classic example would be uh, one of a pharma employee in a mm. Mysore company where uh, it has been days since the first case was reported and uh, now uh, the district has about 37 cases and uh, all cases are from this one single uh, pharma employee. Uh, the department has gone, uh, has, has taken extensive measures. It has tested uh, containers uh, that uh, these, uh, you know, packages that uh, this company received from China, uh, but uh, it has yielded no results. So, uh, uh, so, so, so what this means for an overall COVID-19 scene in Karnataka is we are looking at a possible example of community transmission, though the department denies it to be the case. So, mm -hmm. uh, uh, so, so these, these patients where we do not know where the source of infection is coming from, uh, the, the cluster could be getting bigger and bigger. So in, in various parts of the state, when you have different clusters of patients where you do not know where the source of infection is coming from, uh, then that poses a risk for other healthy patients. So, so this okay. is what it, it means for the overall scene of COVID-19 in Karnataka. Okay. Thank you for joining us on Pandemic Podcast, Suraksha. Stay safe. Karnataka Chief Minister B.S. Yadivirappa on Thursday said that his cabinet ministers were in favour of extending the lockdown by a fortnight to contain the spread of COVID-19, but a final decision will be taken after discussions with Prime Minister Narendra Modi. After chairing an emergency cabinet meeting, Yadirappa told reporters that the cabinet also discussed relaxing norms in districts where COVID-19 cases have not been reported. The central government on Thursday unveiled a rupees 15,000 crore special package to help states and union territories to beef up healthcare systems and prepare them for future disease outbreak. The 100% centrally funded package will be implemented in three phases up to March 2024. This will up the national and state health systems and help in procurement of essential medical equipment and drug strengthening of surveillance, setting up of laboratories and biosecurity preparedness. Today, we want to focus on how the coronavirus pandemic has affected the sports events across the world. Deccan Herald sports reporter Vivek MV will explain what is happening or not happening in the world of sports.
Hello, I'm Vivek and here are the sports updates. Due to the spread of COVID-19, sports across the world has come to a standstill, leaving the fans and athletes stumped with all this extra time in their hands. Numerous leagues and tournaments have been either postponed or cancelled and one of them is India's summer bonanza, that is, the Indian Premier League. While resumption of the IPL looks unlikely at this moment, players have been mounting pressure on cricket authorities to plan a shortened league later in the year. Moving to football, German clubs are back on the field practicing, with the league looking likely to return to action in the beginning of May, giving fans a hope that they can once again watch live football. While Germany has been ahead of the curve in fighting the pandemic, most of Europe remains in lockdown and there is little clarity about when the major leagues or the UEFA competitions will return. As far as India is concerned, resumption of the league looks a 50-50 proposition and according to the All India Football Federation, a decision will be taken after the meeting on April 15. Meanwhile, the second division league is likely to spill over to the next season. Wimbledon fans were disappointed when the grass court major was cancelled for the first time since World War II, even as the players down the ranking ladder in tennis continued to struggle due to drying up of regular income, once again calling into question the revenue model of the ATP and the WTA tours. In athletics, the World Athletics Championship to be held in August 2021 was pushed back to July 2022 to avoid clashing with the rescheduled Tokyo Olympics. Two FIH Pro League ties involving the Senior Men's Team, Junior Men's Asia Cup and the Senior Women's Asian Champions Trophy have all been postponed and that tells the story in the world of hockey. Formula 1, meanwhile, is considering holding closed races without spectators, that is, most likely at European circuits, as and when the season starts. The Formula 1 has already seen its first nine races cancelled. In golf, three US-based major championships were rescheduled after the British Open was called off. The Masters, which was to be played this week, has been rescheduled to November. That's all from the world of sports. Thanks a lot. That was Vivek with the updates on the world of sports. IMF Managing Director Kristalina Georgieva on Thursday said that the year 2020 could see the worst global economic fallout since the Great Depression in the 1930s, with over 170 countries likely to experience negative per capita income growth due to the raging coronavirus pandemic. In a normal year, the world would have celebrated Easter on the coming Sunday. But this is a year consumed by coronavirus. Let's hear my colleague El Subramani talk to Father George, social worker and the director of the Project Vision on how the Christian community is approaching the festival of Easter amid the lockdown. Joining us is Father George Kanantanam, director of the Project Vision. He is passionate about eye donations and he's more known in Bangalore and in other cities for the Bangalore Blind Walks that he conducts. Father George is a priest and a social worker for a very, very long time. Father, Christmas and Easter are probably the most important uh, uh, festivals for Christians. And Easter in particular is the one that sort of gives the hope of Christ's resurrection. Uh, given the corona epidemic and uh, the way it has affected congregations uh, everywhere, do you think uh, it has uh, dampened the Easter spirit uh, this time around? 
Well, first of all, uh, greetings of this uh, season of Easter uh, to everybody. Definitely the uh, impossibility of basically being present in those places where we normally celebrate uh, Easter in terms of our uh, prayers and worship, which is a church that we are not able to come together as a as a community that definitely dampens the spirit of Easter. But at the same time, if you're looking at the real spirit of Easter, which is a message of hope, I think people would be going deeper in their spirituality and they would be able to experience the real meaning of hope, real meaning of communion of the church and the building and the community getting connected to God personally deep within them. So I personally believe that this is also an occasion for us to get connected to God directly. Because very often we use a lot of symbolism. It can be the church building. It can be the prayers that are conducted by, you know, a priest. The personal involvement of the people coming to the church, maybe, I'm saying maybe, you know, not to, not to that great extent. Whereas this time when everybody is asked to celebrate on their own, I'm sure it's an occasion for people to get connected to God directly, become more spiritual than being religious. But from that point of view, I'm very glad that this is not dampening the spirit, but I think this will enthuse the real spirit of uh, God's presence within each human being. Father, you are very passionate about uh, eye donation and uh, you have been carrying this message to different communities uh, all around the year. Um, how has the epidemic affected your work? Uh, Project Vision, the organization that I lead uh, to inspire people to donate their eyes after death, that activity is uh, affected now because of uh, the widespread impact of uh, COVID-19. In fact, Project Vision, apart from working uh, for the visually challenged, is also committed to working for disasters. Therefore, for the time being, we have kept aside our regular work and um, we are focusing more onto the disaster management part, which is happening around us. One is in terms of the medical you know, part of the management. And more than that, because of the lockout, large number of uh, people are going through their economic struggles, where especially the people who used to um, be the daily laborers and people who used to raise their raise, uh, raise their daily money to live, most of them are affected. And I believe that probably about 20 to 30 percent of the population uh, anywhere would actually be uh, living on their daily income. Their uh, incomes are affected. For about a week or 10 days, um, they are all able to somehow hold on. But now with the lockout you know, happening for more than you know 10 days now, most people are undergoing very, very difficult times. So Project Vision now, along with uh, IFO and ECHO and Grace Education Foundation from, from uh, Macau, China, we have come together to float a program called uh, Corona Care Bangalore, and uh, we have been trying to reach out to people who are in the vulnerable sections of the society to ensure that they have their daily food. So we are distributing what we call as a survival kit, which has a package uh, of over 20 kilos that can help 
a family of four to five people to survive for about 10 days. So we are more focused on this work um, you know, that we are doing now. How can one participate in this, Father? I mean, do you ex accept donations or you uh, accept people to sort of uh, do something that would sort of directly benefit the work that you're doing? Yes, um, we are in fact uh, doing this work only on the support of the community and various, uh, you know, associations and uh, the CSR support from, you know, various groups. So definitely everybody can be part of it in two ways. Number one, if uh, you would like people around you uh, who are really deserving and you understand them to be uh, struggling at this point of time, if we can bring those families uh, uh, to our notice, uh, through you, we can reach out to them. Number two, there are a lot of volunteers now working with various organizations, also with us. So if you'd like to volunteer to be part of these activities that you're doing, you're most welcome to be part of it. Number three, if you would like to, uh, since many people are uh, really afraid to get uh, you know, out of their houses because of, their, uh, because of the illness and the spread, which is a good thing that people are staying at home. So if you would like to financially support our program, uh, you can definitely support us. And we have a portal in which uh, we are raising these funds. We can just visit uh, our website, which is uh, www.theprojectvision.org and then go to the COVID-19 page. There we have the opportunity to uh, make donations as well. And finally, Father, uh, what it, the pandemic means to you personally, how, are, how have you been spending time and uh, uh, sort of uh, what, what is uh, one message of reflection or hope uh, uh, that you would like to take from, from this disaster? Uh, two aspects you're asking me. One is what I have been doing. Well, from the time um, the Wuhan uh, you know, disaster broke out, we have been trying to see whether we can help China. So in fact, one of my staff, Mr. Sibu George, traveled all the way to Macau, China, to take about 10,000 masks and uh, make it available for the people there. So that's what we did initially. But now that the, 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 the problem has spread to India, as I explained earlier, we are trying to provide survival, clinic, uh, survival kits to the people. Uh, so that, that takes all my time. So um, that's what I'm doing these days. So I go travel around in an ambulance, I travel it myself, and then um, we take uh, the, the, the survival kits to different parts of the city. Bangalore, we have been covering people like uh, the, the Rohingya refugees. We have been able to reach out to the transgender groups. We have reached out to people with disabilities. We have visited leprosy colonies. We have gone to the settlements of the HIV-affected people. Well, this time coming back after visiting a, uh, visiting a large settlement of construction workers uh, very close to Penia, where about 200 families are living in a slum. I was very, very sad to see that place. I never knew that such places, places existed in Bangalore. So completely unhygienic living spaces and uh, added to their regular misery is that they don't have food. So I just promised them that we will come back to them in a day or two with food back for them. So this is what I'm doing this. I'm very extremely happy about, uh, about being able to do this. We have covered about 2,000 families already. And my dream, my dream is to cover about 20,000 families. About one lakh people will be able to be 
provided with food for uh, in about 10 days. So that's about, about one lakh people I would like to reach out to. So this is my plan, what I'm doing now. If you ask me what is the message? Well, um, Good Friday is just over. And uh, for me, Good Friday is like the situation that the world is going through today. There are moments of, of uh, uh, distress, moments of failure, moments of death, which uh, as individuals, as families, as organizations, as countries, and as a world, we have to go through it in our life. We are going through one such moment in history. But the hope is Easter. So just two days after Good Friday, we have the Easter where Jesus, despite being crucified and killed, was able to break those chains of death and then resurrect and get back to life. I think this is a message of hope that we should all be able to share today. No struggle in the world is without an end. This distance, what we are passing through, will also pass by. And we will all be able to, through our combined effort and work, lead the world to a resurrection where we can all be back to our good health and joy and happiness. And I think this distress is also creating a lot of, uh, lot of communion among people, a lot of cooperation among people. People are getting to know uh, the needs of others, moving beyond their uh, narrow confines to help each other. I think a new civilization of love is actually happening. That's the beauty of it. Let the whole world rise together. Happy Easter, everybody. Thank you, Father. Thank you for that uh, positive and uh, extremely, extremely hopeful uh, note uh, of a message from you. Father George Kanantaram, thank you very much for joining us and uh, happy Easter to you. That was money bringing yet another story of letting go of the things one holds dear to heart for the greater common good in the times of lockdown. Now, in the last segment of our today's episode, let's hear my teammate Akash Sriram separate fact from fiction with a roundup on what's hot in the world of fake news. I'm Akash Sriram and this is DH Fact Check. In today's fact check, there has been one video that has gone viral on Twitter, WhatsApp on, and Facebook. The video shows several people in a street turning on their flashlights on their phones and swaying along to a song. The caption accompanying this video claims that these people are Brazilians and are following PM Modi's call on the night of April 5th to shine lights to dispel the darkness that the pandemic has brought. Fact-checking website Alt News has busted this claim and has proven that this video was shot in Brazil but uploaded on Facebook to a Facebook page called Brazil Para Christ on March 27th. The video's description states that the people were praying to Christ. Several fake text messages claim that airlines in India have begun operations at a small scale and that air transport will be fully restored in all international airports on April 15th. This isn't true. Indian airspace is open at the moment for airlines operating across the world to pass over India. A few aircraft have been shuttling between cities carrying essential supplies. Based on reports and historical data, some Air India aircraft have been taking foreign citizens to London and Frankfurt over the past couple of weeks. Other than this, there have been no commercial flight operations in India. The Ministry of Civil Aviation and the DGCA have not announced anything about commercial flights resuming. The central government is expected to take a call on aviation and its functioning soon. 
Several videos and images being forwarded on WhatsApp and posted on other social media platforms claiming that Muslim vegetable and fruit vendors, members of Tablighi Jamaat, supposedly contaminating their goods with coronavirus with the intent to spread the disease has been proven false by the Press Information Bureau and various fact-checking websites. The Press Information Bureau tweeted on April 9th that audio clips also were being circulated and that they were false. They also said that these audio clips were being circulated with the intent of creating disharmony in the community. And that is our daily dose of fact check. That was Akash Sriram with the latest on fake news. That's all we have for today on the Pandemic Podcast. Catch you tomorrow at the same time. For more updates on the coronavirus and other news, log in to www.deckandhurl.com. Follow our social media handles on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram and YouTube. To be updated on the go, follow our Telegram channel for instant updates. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. Take care, stay safe, stay indoors. Stay indoors.